a song. I'm sure. Ready for what? It's like a deep voice. I think it's like Pitbull or something. Uh, ready for whatever. I like my deep voice. Hello, Benjamin. Hello, Robert. Are you ready to podcast I'm today? I'm ready to podcast today, Robert. All right. Maybe we should do the entire podcast <laughs> on this deep voice. <laughs> no, I'm not doing that. That's <laughs> way too much effort. <laughs> but it's fun. It's time. Uh, We're here. We're back. Did we not record last week? Uh, no, so I actually counted because it felt like it had been too long. It's the, what, 24th today? Yes, it is. And we podcasted on the 9th, which means it's been 15 days. I think that should be the maximum allowed break for us, 15 days. Oh, that's unreasonable. That's too long. I was thinking more like 10 days. And we, we thought we were going to record last week. I think we were both in bad moods. It's different parts of the week. Yes, we were. <laughs> so we, we both mutually agreed that it, we would not be in the correct headspace to podcast at that time. <laughs> because believe it or not... We do have emotions, and we do get upset sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> That's false, Robert. I'm actually a robot. Yeah. Well, yeah. You can be. And me, on the other hand, overly emotional all the time. <laughs> <laughs> oh. We were going to release the the Casey Patterson last week, yeah, but yeah. then we decided not to because we thought we were going to record our own podcast, and we're like, yeah. let's save that for a week when we're not in the same place and we can't publish our own podcast. Uh, with the two of us, but then we ended up posting neither. Yeah. I, I love that we're skipping around already because I was just about to talk about the Gates Patterson episode, and it's way down here in freestyle somewhere. Uh, but really what I was just going to say is, in retrospect, I'm very excited to listen to it again. Because like, I don't generally like listening to my own voice, but I will listen to some of our episodes again. Yeah. And I really want to listen to the Casey one again because that one was definitely very cool and very interesting. Uh, but any, at any rate, we'll probably release it like a week from now, approximately. And yes, after, after we school. finished that too, I was I was just messen- messaging with Casey, and I was like, "Dude, we d- I don't really feel like like we talked for like an hour, but I felt like we didn't cover half the stuff that we like could have. Like, yeah, there's so, so much more to talk." On about. the way over, I was putting down topics, and I was like, kind of at a loss. It's like I don't know how we're gonna talk. Like I don't know how much he wants to. I don't even know like how much he's into pickleball, and it just transformed into something where we just kind of let him go, and he was talking about incredible stuff. And then when I looked back at my topics, I was just like, well, I addressed like barely any of these, and I I'm okay with it because <laughs> we talked. It turned out he just came up with a lot of better stuff that led us in good directions. That's just a good podcast, Robert. When you let the flow take you into the right area. <laughs> Yeah. Good things happen. It's just like a running river. Oh, I just got chills. Just, just oh. lay down and just surrender. <sighs> I like chills. Do, is there any song you that makes you get chills or like a movie scene? It's very rare for me, but there are certain like movie scenes that always give me chills. This and is, I love it. This is really dumb. <laughs> I'll, I'll just preface it with I that. I like it. I'll preface it with that. There's only one that comes to mind, really. And so I grew up in Georgia as a huge Georgia Bulldog fan, University of Georgia football. And there's this there's this artist kind of local to Georgia named Corey Smith kind of a little of a twang country type type artist but see but sings about and writes about very relatable stuff to people that grew up in Georgia so growing up in Georgia i could relate to all of his all of his lyrics and he wrote um one song that i believe was I think it's called Every Dog, but it's basically Every Dog Has His Day, and he just he's singing about Georgia football and goes back into some of like the most iconic moments of Georgia football. And there's certain parts of that song where, um, you know, there's this the, the play-by-play announcer for Georgia for a really long time was probably one of the most iconic sportscasters in all of sports, just because of he was such a homer. Like every like you, whoa, you're, you're whoa, meant what, to be. What's a homer? 
like such a homer is in like he just wanted Georgia to win so bad, <laughs> but he was supposed to be unbiased uh, and supposed uh, to just be giving the play by play. And so he'd get so into it when Georgia was doing well. And he had just all of these iconic calls. And one was like he just gets carried away and like Georgia beats uh, Tennessee, the volunteers on like a last minute touchdown. And he's like, we just stepped on their face with a hobnail boot. <laughs> just like uh, just random stuff like that. So that gives me chills. I got chills right now just because it was such an iconic call. And then Larry Munson died not too, not too long ago, maybe a few years ago. And um, yeah, so so. Uh, Did you say his name was Larry Munson. Larry Munson, yeah. Like Roy Munson from Kingpin. Yeah, but Larry. Got Munson. Yeah, got Munson. <laughs> so uh, yeah, so Corey Smith sings about that, and that gives me chills. So that's a little tangent, but <laughs> it's worth it. So if you want like a really good <laughs> football call, look up Larry Munson, UGA football. I don't even know how we got to the topic of chills, and suddenly I'm talking about Roy Munson and Kingpin. <laughs> <laughs> because Munson. Because Munson. Oh, all right. What I song is you start. chose? Oh, it's so stupid. <laughs> oh, so welcome. <laughs> My story is not as long and developed as that. Uh, it is the... Uh, the chorus or the crescendo of uh, <laughs> My Heart Will Go On by Celine Dion. <laughs> I mean, that's pretty fantastic, too. <laughs> My favorite is pairing it. it uh, there's a YouTube channel called Everything is Better with Titanic, and they basically play the crescendo to uh, to uh, My Heart Will Go On with like a movie scene or a sports scene or something, and it's absolutely true. It makes every single scene it's better. So like, true. There's scenes from Game of Thrones where I'm like, oh, it's amazing. Uh, there's like uh, when Federer came back and won the Australia Open, like the championship one. It was just such an epic story, and it, his reaction was amazing. And but, like pairing that with the music is one of my favorite things ever. But isn't it crazy, like what music can actually do to like to to anything to, to like energize it, you? It, to oh, yeah, yeah like, it creates invo- such strong it invokes, emotion. It invokes emotion. Yeah. Um, I'd say one of my either just going on a tangent yeah. again. One of my favorite movies of all time, very underrated, and most a lot of people don't even know about it. And has one of my favorite scenes of all times. It always gives me chills. Is Seabiscuit. Oh yeah. And I'm not even a, like a horse fan. I never rode horses. Yeah. I never got into horses in any way. But it's a horse movie, and it's just it gets better every time you watch it. It's very deep in a lot of ways, uh, and it's just an incredible story. If you're a dude that's probably what five foot, I don't know how tall jockeys are. Like horse uh, jockeys. I think they usually range from like four, like high fours to low fives. Yeah. So if you're if you're if that's like you know if you're a dude and that's what you max out at like you have to be a horse jockey. What <laughs> you else you gonna do? What else are you gonna do? Just <laughs> like just not many dude, you're built for it. World. You know, there's some people built to be NBA stars. You're, you know, you're six eight, six ten, whatever. You know, you're you're meant to play. Well, nowadays tennis. But uh, if you're that tall, you're like you just have to do certain things. If you're that short, you have to also do certain things, and that's being a horse jockey. <laughs> What a missed opportunity if you're not. If you are four foot eight to five foot two and you're a male listening to this podcast, stop listening. Go get on a horse and start training. Because <laughs> you could be great. You could be great. Okay. So bear with us. We are going to talk a lot about pickleball. We just, for whatever reason, have not. <laughs> not at all. Da 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 The Freestyle Boys with Rob Nunnery and Ben Johns. <laughs> That was a little different. I yeah, I, I wanted to throw a little bit of a spin to it. You're an innovator. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of how I say good morning to you. Like, oh, good morning, Robert. L- let me tell the story about why that happens. <laughs> so, actually, Lucy's right here. She's taking a little nap because you took her on a walk this morning around this beautiful lake right here. Lake, river, whatever it is. 
And uh, anyways, so whenever I'd wake up in the morning, I'd get out of bed before Jack. I'd come outside. Lucy would come with me because she was in the bedroom. And then when she'd come out, she would have like these sleepy eyes and she was just so happy. Her tail would be wagging and I'd always just go, good morning, Lucy. How are you? And then, you know, she'd be even happier doing her little wiggle. And then she'd immediately go into downward dog to stretch. And then I would go, big stretch. And she was just the half. So it's every morning. And she's so happy. So now, uh, I, I was telling Benjamin that. And then I, was, then I started doing it to you initially. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, let's see if he gets really excited when I, when I do this. <laughs> let's see if he does a big stretch. Just show me some puppy excitement and see what yeah. happens. So you just bring excitement to somebody. Say, good morning, Benjamin. <laughs> How are you? Yeah. Big stretch. Yeah. So now it's like an ongoing thing. We yeah. always do it. Uh, all, all three ways. I'll do it to Robert. I'll do it to Jack. I get it back. It's great. It's fun. It's my favorite way to start a morning. <laughs> it does bring you bring excitement. It, it, it makes me happier. Yeah, you walk That's out with a big important. smile saying good morning. Well, it's, it's a good way to start the day. Try it. Uh, just with no context. As one of our listeners, try it on maybe your significant other. And just just do it to them in the morning to see what happens. Just bring the excitement. Good morning. <laughs> How are They're gonna you? They're going to look at you like you're nuts. Big stretch. <laughs> oh, it's so fun, though. Oh, if we go at this pace for the entire podcast, we're going to be here for 13 hours. <laughs> <laughs> we've gotten nowhere. We haven't even gotten to news and events, which nothing is our we've, first segment. Nothing we've talked about has actually been on our agenda today, which is nope, shocker. Zero things. That might set a record, though. This is the longest we've been on a tangent to start an episode. Yeah. I feel like we could go an entire episode like this if we wanted to, but let's let's. Well, it's let's just normal stuff, Robert. We just talk about what we want to talk about, and it's true. Just like two guys wearing headsets for no reason having a conversation. <laughs> it's like headsets are imaginary; they don't actually convey anything. I just actually wish this allowed me to fly airplanes. <laughs> right? <laughs> is that because you watched Catch Me If You Can like two days ago? You're yeah. like, oh, I want to be an air. I want to be a pilot. Well, it was a like pilot's job is miserable. Actually, as a kid, I did want to be a pilot. It was a, be a pilot or be a uh, Atlanta Braves baseball player. To me, I mean, those are that second one's a nice aspiration. But to me, I would be miserable as a pilot. Like you get to go a lot of new places, but it's just constant travel. Like yeah, it's flying, definitely flying. It, is it's exhausting. definitely it, it looks sexier than it actually is. That's true. Yeah. Uh, but I will tell you, just to go on another tangent, can I do that? Of course. Okay, cool. All right. So growing up, I wanted to be either a pilot because basically my mom. So we lived in Forest Park, Georgia. It's a little town outside of Atlanta, close to College Park, where. Uh, and also close to the Atlanta airport. So we used to, my mom used to drive me and we'd park at the side of a runway and I would just sit there and be in awe watching planes take off and land. I thought it was the coolest thing in the world. I still think it's one of the coolest things in the world. How does that pile of metal get off the ground? fly through the sky thousands of miles? It makes no sense. It, it makes some sense. But it doesn't really make a lot of sense just logically looking at it. It's like, how does that thing do that? Anyways, that's what made me want to be a pilot. Second, on being an Atlanta Braves baseball player, I've told you the story, but I don't uh-huh, think uh-huh. many people know the story other than my family <laughs> and my teachers growing up. But when I was, I played t-ball like when I was five. My favorite player in the world was a Braves player named Del Murphy, who should be in the Hall of Fame, but he's not. It's a travesty and a crime that he's not. He was, uh, he was MVP several years, but he was always like, he was like. Just a really good human being, which is what attracted me to him as a baseball player. And, um, anyways, so as a kid, I think from the age of like four to five, something like that, I would refuse to let people call me by my name. And then I was called Robert. Like they tried to say, Robert, come do this. I would just look at them and say, My name's not Robert. My <laughs> name is Dale Murphy. 
And I did that to, te- to everybody. Parents, <laughs> teachers, didn't matter. Tried to call me Robert. I refused and made them call me Del Murphy. <laughs> and until they called me Del Murphy, I wouldn't do anything they wanted. That sounds like your personality in a nutshell. (laughs) It actually does. Never changed. It all makes sense now. It's never changed. Yeah. I will not do this. I'm stubborn. Call me by my real name. (laughs) So, another tangent. We're just going to keep it rolling. What else we got? Uh, Tangents or actual podcasts? Let's get into it. Okay, fine. We've Uh, been going for 12 minutes now and talked about legitimately nothing. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay, so. Uh, news and events, clarification on Nationals qualification process. So what's funny about this is you told me this news that the qualification mm. process had actually been like actually refined and people actually knew what was going on now. Yeah. And what's funny about that is I still hadn't heard of it. I was like, mm. where'd you get this information? I have no idea. Because there's no centralized source of information for anything. Yeah. The only reason I found it was because the only rankings that I look at are the World Pickleball rankings because that's the ranking that lists me the highest. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like, I'm Share just going to follow these rankings. These rankings make a lot of sense to me. <laughs> so they have it listed on that page, though, at the very bottom saying, I don't have it pulled up, but you guys can look it up. Pickleballterminus.com. Go to the rankings. It's at the bottom of the page. Uh, but from my understanding, just by reading through it, was that if you are ranked in the top 20 of any of those pro events, that you get an automatic, what, what do they call it, a golden ticket? Registration. Very Willy Wonka-ish to call it a golden <laughs> it ticket. It is. It's well, am I going to find it in a chocolate not, bar wrapper? Not nearly as fun as Willy Wonka. Golden <laughs> ticket to go to Palm Springs. Um, I'd rather go to the chocolate factory. And get chocolate for a lifetime. Is that the deal? Oh, yeah, it was part of the deal. And then nobody knew you could actually take over the factory if you were a good person. That was just a bonus. Oh. Always be a good person. Charlie. Good job, Charlie. But then his was it his uncle or his grandpa? His grandpa was trying to make him do like like steal stuff, right? He's like, Oh, this guy's a hack. Talking about Willie. Willie? Yeah. Nobody calls Willie Wonka Willie. But anyways, the grandpa was trying to remember they were trying to like he's like, Oh, just take that, steal that, it's fine. And then uh Charlie refused, and that's why Willie Wonka Chosen. Are, you, are you talking about the movie or the book? Because in the book, Grandpa was awesome. Uh, I think in the movie, they made him not as awesome. Yeah, they did. That was, Interesting. That was bad. I like the book a lot better. Such a homeschooler. Who reads Willy Wonka the book? You know what, Robert? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to slap you someday. We do the same thing. Let's talk about like Harry Potter. He's like, oh, in the book. I'm like, no, the movie. <laughs> Why would I read a 1,300-page book when I can watch an hour and a half Actually, movie? the longest Harry Potter book is 870 pages. Thank so. you. Also... Another homeschool fact. You're welcome. <laughs> it's the fifth book. <laughs> I remember what we're talking about. Okay, oh, the golden ticket. Tangents. <laughs> golden tickets. You can't stop us today. Don't hold us back. Yeah, don't. Just let us run. Uh, spread our wings. Anyways, golden like ticket. Like horse pegasuses we are. So top 20, I think, if you're top 20 in any of the events, I think you get a golden ticket to all events? I don't, I don't know. Why are you looking at me? <laughs> Uh, you know, this is a well-researched podcast. Obviously, I thought it was respective event. Sure, either one. The point is mm. that you can register for nationals if you are in the top twenty of the rankings of the World Pickleball rankings. Basically, it's saying, "Hey, you are good enough to where you're getting into this tournament. There's no like lottery process or anything like that for you." And you know, that's a great idea because I, I mean, that's obviously how like the Grand Slams work with Grand Slams in tennis. Uh, you have your ranking-based stuff, and then you have like some wild cards, and then you have some qualification-based stuff. Like It's a combination of things. There's multiple ways to get in. Um, but obviously, this is one of the primary ways, which is just basing it on your ranking and just being like, yeah, you get the option to register because you're good enough. 
Um, and I think that's that's great. Uh, I think it's better than just having this kind of random qualifying tournaments tour that they're trying to do, just because that's super unorganized at the moment, and uh, the tournaments just aren't even good. Um, so rankings make a lot more sense. I think the ranking system could do with a little bit of work, obviously, because Robert's way high up on it. What, what's hey. happening? <laughs> it's the only rankings no, I, I, I actually, watch. I actually did look at it brief, and I was like, some of this makes sense. Other, eh, it's kind of weird. Um, uh, it's it's tough to do apples to apples on some of those, right? Because like, let's call it the even the Rocky Mountain or any of the PPAs, right? Like, it, it, if it's not a major PPA, it's weighted the same as say the New Jersey Open. Yeah, you know what I mean. And those those draws are not not equal mm -hmm. by any means. Yeah, so it's just it's this weighting of stuff is a little funky. So yeah. the tournaments are obviously going to be a little bit skewed on the ranking results uh, but the point is i kind of like the idea in general just because it's a better process than they've ever had before yeah before it used to be so subjective back in the og <laughs> days when you weren't even playing it was yeah. just like oh yeah they can register like it was literally like the directors being like oh yeah that person's good just let them well, in. well it felt like that till last year right because uh, yeah there's there's no <laughs> there's like, no we were talking process. about this early in the year it's like or on earlier podcasts there's there's just no rhyme or reason on how a pro qualifies. I would ask many people, I'm like, hey, would I qualify for nationals? They're like, I don't know, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean? There is no way. Well, there's no way I can go. I'm not going to go play, you know, the Mid-South Regional and play 5-0 and try to qualify as for, for the pro event. Like, it doesn't make any sense. Like, yeah, there, so there's really no way for pros to qualify until now. So props. Um, who did that? USA Pickleball? I guess. Yeah. And in probably in conjunction with – PickleballTournaments.com for... Pickleball Central. Pickleball Central does a good job on a lot of stuff. Pickleball Central, yeah. So, hey, now you know if you qualify. Mm -hmm. That's a start. Um, okay. Mm, everything else in our news and events, I have very little concept of. It's all your stuff. I don't even know what's on there. Painted Pickle, APP Stipend. Oh, right on. Uh, so, Painted Pickle. Well, we can do this in conjunction with Electric Pickle, mm -hmm. which we've talked about Electric Pickle is coming to Austin. I think they're going to have maybe in 2022. It's a very similar concept to Chicken and Pickle, I think. Um, so, it just appears to be more, um, you know, kind of more indoor-outdoor food, beverage, bar, pickleball. Top-golf-like. Top Top-golf-like concept. So, it's 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 popping. I think, I think companies are starting to see or hospitality groups are starting to see the success Chicken and Pickle have had. And they're looking to build on that. So we've got the electric pickle in Austin. There's also an electric pickle coming to Vegas. Um, I'm not sure if it's owned by the same hospitality group or if they're if or if they're different owners. If they're different owners, you know, they should probably talk about the name <laughs> because they're using the same name. So it has to be the same. Yeah, it is. I would it's imagine same, same guys. So, anyways, you also have Painted Hospitality Group, um, which has. I think painted pens, which is a bowling concept. They're doing the painted pickle, um, and this is going to be in Atlanta. So yeah, they have the painted pen, the painted duck, and upcoming painted park, which will be uh, let's see, it's a one of a kind eater entertainment concept. I like what they did there, entertainment. Uh, called the painted pickle. It'll be centered around pickleball, and it's going to be Atlanta's premier pickleball destination, located in town in a versatile indoor-outdoor industrial warehouse space with high-quality food and beverage offerings, deluxe design, and amenities. I like the word deluxe, deluxe. or premium. It just conveys good things. And luxury. All right. Well, that's cool. More so it's, cool facilities. So, uh, yeah, generally speaking... You know, the the food and beverage paired with the pickleball concepts continuing it's, to take it off. It's very successful. Yeah, it's working. It's just a great model. I mean, 
like I was actually comparing it to Top Golf. So the reason Top Golf does so well, in my opinion, is not because golf is actually suited for something like that. Yeah, it's really not as much as some other sports, in my opinion. Uh, it's just that golf is so mainstream and it's more suited than some other games. Like, say, obviously you can do like baseball or basketball. Like, it's just in soccer, like a team sports with that many people, they're just not feasible. Yeah, golf works because it's like a one-person thing where you can just you know hit some balls while you're hanging out with your friends and yep. drinking and eating. So it works. Whereas you look at something like pickleball, yeah, it takes up a little more room, but think of like the same concept where you're like renting out a court rather than renting out like a driving range, you know, yep. mat or whatever. Uh, you know, you got your little area. And it's more fun because you got your food and drink still, but you're also playing with each other. And what's funny about Top Golf is it's very appealing because anyone can try to hit a golf ball. You might not do well with it, but you're just hitting in a driving range. There's no real like yep. huge goal or anything. Um, and pickleball is similar in that you know you can just kind of pick up a paddle and whack the ball around. You don't even have to play points if you don't want. You can just yeah. whack it back and forth, and you can have a ball. Yep. Um, so I think it's actually pickleball is very suited for something like Top Golf, maybe even more than golf is with the. Caveat that obviously pickleball is not as well known or as followed as golf is. True, and it's a good point because like when you like there's a there's a spot here in Austin called uh, Bold Acres, which they didn't even mean to build pickleball courts, but like some city zoning thing, they had to put some kind of concrete slab there for whatever zoning purpose, and they're like, well, what can we put that's this size? And they decided on two pickleball courts. Not even really knowing what it was or thinking that it would be very successful is is my understanding of how it all came about. And it was mainly going to just be like a indoor-outdoor cornhole food and beverage spot bar with some food trucks type deal. And then people just started gravitating to the pickleball courts and it became a thing. And, and now you have to reserve them and now they're making money off of it and they didn't realize that was all even going to be a revenue stream. <laughs> so they kind of lucked into it or, you know... Made so made some good decisions. Sounds like classic pickleball. People got lucky because they found it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty much. So, anyways, the concept works, and it's it's exciting to see more more and more of that stuff popping up. App stipend. Tell me about this. I haven't really heard about it. Yeah, so I don't really know much. Um, right. So, as we know, the PPA will sign players on to play their events, and they'll get appearance fees. Um, I think the APP currently is doing something similar, but they're not making you – they're basically saying, hey, if you're in the top seven of these cumulative standings, including singles, men's, and mixed, or women's and mixed, um, then we'll cover your entry fees and we'll give you a $250 travel stipend. So that's that was their plan for this year. Apparently, come October 25th, they're going to announce a new player stipend, also a referee stipend, which is awesome for the refs, right? Yeah. Like, they Fantastic. need it. Um, and, yeah. Said it once and I'll say it again. Their job is very difficult, and I don't understand why they do it, but we all thank you for it, <laughs> or at least I do. I'll tell you why they do it, because it's just like for the players. They have an amazing social aspect. They're all they're all friends. They get to travel around the country and and be a part of a sport that's awesome. I think that's why they do it. It's still a pretty thankless job. <laughs> it's a very thankless job. And, you know, it's like one of those things. It's like you don't really notice. It's it's like on people that leave reviews on restaurants, right? right? It's like you only leave a review if it's if you have a bad experience. These refs only ever get noticed if they do something, you know, that's not correct or they make a wrong call. You don't. They don't really get noticed for the, you know, the hundreds of matches that they do very, very well. So it's tough. And it's cool that they're getting more stipends. Um, so my issue with the uh, – I say an issue just because as a player, it makes it tough 
because, as you know, we make our schedules very far in advance. You probably o- know you know every tournament you're playing in 2022 already, I do, I do. and you likely know every partner you're going to have I do. for those tournaments, right? And we're in August right now. And I knew that as far back as, like, March. Right. So... So for players that schedule that far in advance, and you have to because, you know, partners are at a premium and you have to lock people in and you have to lock tournaments in. And, and you know, there's kind of this mad scramble f- to do that. Um, and October 25th, honestly, is just too late for some players that are trying to decide what tournaments to play next year. Um, it's it's too late in the year to be able to wait. and Especially for the, the mid-ground players who are like, hey, do I sign PPA? Do I right. lo- try to play APPs and PPAs? Like, wh- what's the play, basically? Yeah, so that's exactly the, the spot I'm in. I'm trying to figure out what's best. And you got partners best. that are signing PPA, and they're like, well, I can't play APP. And you're like, oh, no, yeah. It's exactly. Like it's, it's a real... So I've, you know, I've got partners lined up for both, <laughs> for both some PPAs and some APPs, and my partners that I'm signed up for are like, are you sure you're going to be good for these? And I'm like, yeah, I think so. Just, uh, just bear with me. And now I have to say kind of like wait till October 25th, which is so far down the road. With, you know, it's only a couple months, but it's in pickleball. That's a long time. In pickleball world, that's a long time. Yeah. So unfortunate that they're waiting that long because uh, I think, you know, players are going to have to make decisions before yeah, well, that. What's the delay? Uh, yeah, I don't. That's a good question. Make a decision and announce it as soon as possible. Yeah, I mean, it. I think it would benefit the APP tour, you know, definitely more if they announced it earlier, because then they'd you know, more players. S- they'd have more players for sure. Because um, I know a handful of players that are going to have to decide before then, if not, if not everybody. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah. So that's that's the APP stipend. Um, again, props to the refs, because that's going to be great for them. We got next. Uh, we're on to results, our least favorite section. <laughs> yeah. We have Jersey, Denver, and TOC. Jersey, Denver. Oh. I feel like I need a... Do you just want to talk about your Jersey experience? I feel like I need a beer. <laughs> 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 Coffee's not going to cut it. Oh, boy. Maybe I'll have a sip of the shake. Uh, <laughs> so I went straight to I went straight to Jersey from Newport. All right, was it Newport? Yeah, it, yeah, it's yeah. all it was all a blur these these few weeks. Um, but straight from Jersey to Newport, was it Newport? Yes, not St. Clemente, it's Newport. <laughs> okay, anyways, <laughs> really is a blur to you. Jersey played with Eden Lika, uh, first time playing with him. Um, I liked I liked playing with him. Uh, he was he's just very comfortable on the right. I've played left all year, so that's where I'm most comfortable right now. Um, and yeah, we kind of we ran straight through to the gold match. Uh, then ran out of gas a little bit in the gold, and uh, so it's it's interesting because basically, basically, that day of I think men's was Saturday. Mm-hmm. There was single Sunday which I was not playing, but men's Saturday. So I was like, Lauren Stratton had told me um, that she was going to go to. She's yeah, going to fly Denver. to Denver Saturday night to play women's on Sunday. I'm like, oh, they have women's and men's on Sunday? I was like, hmm. Because she was going to play with Leia in Denver, and I was like, I was like, Kohler told me he doesn't have a partner for Rocky Mountain. Could work out nicely. So maybe I could try to get there. So then I was looking at flights, and they were all outrageously expensive. 
And then I even booked one that was like leaving at 8.45. Oh, this is such a bad story. I lost so much money on this. I don't even want to tell the story. It <laughs> makes me hurt. It makes my heart hurt. Uh, but anyways, it was a $400 one-way ticket to Denver, which I wish I would have gotten that one. Let's just say that. <laughs> Actually, I did get it. And then I was like, okay, you know what? I've got points for this. Let me book points. So I canceled the $400 one. Tried to get the points flight. After I canceled, I refreshed the points one. The points went from like, they they doubled basically. And I was like, I'm not paying all those points. I'm not paying double points for something that was five seconds ago, this amount of points. So then I was like, screw it. Now I don't have a flight. And then I was like, maybe I just won't go. And then I found another flight out of Philadelphia. That one was for Newark. So I was like, Philadelphia, the same flight that Lauren Stratman was on, Philadelphia direct to Denver on Frontier. Don't want to fly Frontier, but I will. And it was cheaper. It was like 250 bucks. So I was like, okay, I'll do that. And then play, play, play. You know, to, to get to, to get on that flight, I need to leave by like 6 p.m. from the venue in Hamilton, New Jersey to make it to Philadelphia in time to make that flight. Um, and I'm rooming with Goldberg this weekend. So he knows, you know, he knows I'm trying to do this. He's like trying to support me with it. Why is Ryan Sherry calling you right now? That's <laughs> never a good thing. Or, or it could be. Sometimes it is. You just never know. Um, so... Ryan Cherry. Anyways, so Goldberg knew that I was going to try to do this, and he was trying to support me. He was like, oh, what about this flight? Oh, you know, all this stuff. And he was being very kind. And, like, we were having a blast the whole weekend. And then, uh, so we're in the gold match. Edna and I were waiting on the bronze to finish. And JW and Johnny pull it out, I think, in the third game, pretty tight third game with Altoff and Zane. And and then... Um, you know, even after he came, after as he walked off the court in the bronze match, he was like, "Oh, sorry, that took so long, man. We'll we'll try to get after it." I was like, "All good, no rush. You're fine." And my my mindset at this point was, "I'm probably not going to make this flight. It's okay. I'm just going to play and focus on the match." So that was kind of the mindset I had. And I was like, "If I make it, great. If not, whatever." But anyway, so Byron and the crew, Ken at the APP, were super accommodating. They they were like, "Well, let's move your let's move your." Let's move the gold match right after the bronze match, men's bronze, just so you can play and we can try to get you out of here on time. So that was super cool of them. And um, I think they gave they gave Goldberg and J-Dub, I don't remember the exact time between matches, 15 to 30. I don't, I don't really know what it was. Uh, regulations 30. I mean, 15. Sure. So they at least gave him whatever that was. And maybe maybe it wasn't enough. Um, it was super hot, that's for sure. Um, so maybe it warranted more. But either way, uh, Johnny wasn't very happy with it. So he comes back on court for the gold match where we start playing. Uh, he's the last one on court. We had already all warmed up and, like, you know. Andy was our ref, Andy Jones. Uh, and she's ready to call the score, and then Johnny's just taking his time, wants to warm up. So now I, now I see, like, okay, like, maybe he's, you know, he's claiming he's cramping and his stomach hurts and all this stuff, but it seemed to me that he was really sl- – taking his time kind of intentionally and you can see he's just in a bad mood the start of the match I think it gets to 4-3 and then he basically says my stomach hurts medical timeout walks off the court and as he's walking off the court he goes F your flight Rob (laughs) so I was just like okay Um, and I was quite confused on 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 a few different reasons one he didn't really asked to have a medical timeout. He just said, I'm taking a medical timeout. My stomach hurts and walked off the court and was gone. 
So he didn't really like he didn't get confirmation from Andy, the ref, that he's allowed to actually take a medical timeout. He just literally walked off the court and walked to the tent somewhere. Huh. So that was one thing. And then I was asking Andy, I was like, well, can he actually just walk off the court like that? And she's like, I've never dealt with this before. We'll get Byron over here. And then it took Byron, I think, seven, eight minutes to find his way over to the court. And whatever. They granted the medical timeout. And the interesting thing was I've, n- I've only had two medical timeouts ever called during matches I've been playing in. One was the day before in the mixed bronze match against Sarah Ansbury and Rafa Hewitt. Sarah called one at 10-10. We had just gotten a side out. It was We were serving at 10-10-1 in the third game. Mm-hmm. So very tight moment. So she called a timeout. And, you know, part of me understands that because while we were, you know, the match is two points from being over, right? So on one hand, questionable there. But on the other hand, mixed day was insanely hot. It had to be 110 plus on court. Uh, There's a heat advisory in New Jersey. It was the hottest it had been all year. So it was actually a thing. The ball was mush. All of our points were going like 50 plus, you know, Ugh. 50 plus rallies. It was brutal. You could not put a ball away. Um, so I understand that. So she, you know, went to the trash can, was trying to throw up, dry heave, et cetera, et cetera. I get it. And then the next day, uh, Goldberg does it at 4-3 in the first game of a gold medal match. Only two medical timeouts I've ever seen in my in matches that I've been a part of. I've never called one. So, and both of them were basically because their stomachs hurt, is what I think both of them said. Uh, Sarah said her stomach hurts, she had to throw up. Then Goldberg at 4-3 said his stomach hurts. F your flight, Rob, as he walked off the court. So, that's New Jersey. <laughs> Good story, Robert. Do you have, do you have thoughts on that? Uh... uh it sounds like you had a fun time. Yeah, it was a blast. <laughs> it was a blast. So you guys can take whatever you want from those stories. I'll just leave it there. Oh, yeah. No, let me let me finish. So because of that 15-minute medical timeout from Goldberg, I do miss my flight out of Philadelphia. And Lauren Stratman was on that flight. Luckily, I'm brilliant and told her because I had a checked bag because I took podcast equipment with me. So I had her take my bag to Philadelphia just to check it through in case – um, in case I made it. Um, so I wouldn't have to stop and check because she was able to get to the airport before I was. So she checked my bag through. Um, because of that medical timeout, I wasn't able to make that flight. I would have just missed it. And there there would have been nothing worse of trying to rush to the Philadelphia airport just and to miss a flight. It. Oh, painful. Yeah, never done that. Um, so I was like, screw it. I'll cancel that flight, see if I can get a refund. I was able to get a refund on that $250 flight out of Philadelphia. I was like, you know what? Let's just see if there's anything else available. So I saw that 840. There's an 845 out of Newark, which gave me basically a 45-minute window. So I was like, I can maybe make that one if I leave right now. So price had doubled from what I had purchased it <laughs> before. <laughs> I was just like, you know what? I'm so mad right now. I just lost to Goldberg and J-Dub. Uh, J-Dub played amazing. Right? That's, uh, as everybody's starting to see, he's starting to come into his own a little bit and really, really play good pickleball. So he played great. Um, and, yeah, so I was so annoyed and mad that I had lost that um, that I was just like, I'll pay any amount of money to get out of New Jersey right now. And I did. That's and I got out of there. On one hand, I call that Max Payne. On the other, you did get out of there. I got out of there. And, you know, what was actual Max Payne was the two ladies I had to sit in between <laughs> on that flight because I hadn't showered all day. There's a heat advisory. I'd, sw- I'd sweat my balls off. I'll tell you that. And I ran through the airport full, like I was, I had the, you know, the orange neon uh, Franklin shirt. 
you know what I'm talking about, like the cotton soft yeah. shirt. And that thing was fully drenched by the time I got to the gate. I was the last one on the plane. <coughs> so and these gross. two girls, these two poor girls, luckily it was an exit row, but they were like, okay, sick. I've got the aisle. She's like, I've got the window. Nobody in the middle seat, thank God. And then I come stumbling <laughs> onto the I come stumbling on the plane. Now just that is Max Payne in a drenched shirt, smelling like smelling disgusting. I have my mask on. I still smell me. And uh, those faces when I just pulled up right beside him, I was like, okay, let me put my bag up there. Both just like I think they even made eye contact with each other, and was like, really, <laughs> really, this dude's gonna sit here. Oh, that's tough. I felt bad. Oh, that's very tough. And I just sat like this the whole flight. <laughs> And my back was, I was doing this because my back kept seizing up. Four and a half hours flight. It's middle, middle seat's tough. Soaked in sweat. Anyways, New Jersey. Oh, and I got to Rocky Mountain and I got there like at midnight. Slept for three hours, four hours. Didn't sleep very well just because so much was going on, you know. And then got up and played uh, Denver with Kohler. That's, uh, that's dedicated. That's a pro pickleballer's life right there. Yeah, yeah. So... I mean, it was, I got to say, like, Kohler and I didn't do very well, but I actually thought I played pretty well that day, and, like, all things considered especially, and it was just a lot of fun playing, you know, a gold medal match in New Jersey on Saturday night, then playing a completely different New tournament New across New the country Sunday, yeah, Sunday morning. Awesome. I've was, never done that. <laughs> it was super fun. It was super fun. Uh, well, you know, I'd like to talk about other results, but not really, because <laughs> I just, nah, results, meh. Nah, but people, people want to know. Like people, I know you don't want to talk about it, but it's uh, no. Actually, I'm just. Oh, it's not because of TOC. It's more just like, eh. I know that was a long story about one result. That was, it was sorry. Was that was. <laughs> should we edit that whole thing out? Because that was painful to actually tell. It wasn't very fun yeah. for me to tell. One, because I lost. Two, because Goldberg was annoying. And three, it just felt very long winded. Huh. It was bad. <laughs> Even Lucy's sleeping. She's like, Jesus. On to the next topic. Anyways. Uh, all right. But no. no well, Talk to us about singles. Sure. The I, people the people need to hear. Uh, they need to – because the I, thing I, 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 I'd like to give a shout-out to Todd. Uh, I won Denver, and the Dink said nobody won uh, – I know nobody got more than eight points against me, and I said false. First game of my first match in singles, this guy named Todd got 11 points. I won 13-11, so – just was good. Todd legit? He was legit. Good job, Todd. Was it his first tournament? Or I don't know. His first? I don't know, actually. But you, had, you didn't know the name? No. Attaboy, he, Todd. He was, he was good. Uh, TOC. Yeah, I lost singles. Um, what happened? <laughs> <laughs> I know it's not fun, but the, hey, the, hey, people, tennis, tennis. After losses, you have to go into the press room. I, I love it. I love it when they go into the press room and they're, they're so, so clearly oh, not so wanting good. to talk and they just do not answer questions well at all. And they're literally they're just so mad. But some of the questions, questions they get are so bad. They're really just stupid questions. They're like, "So is this the end of your career?" <laughs> That loss must have yeah, really no, hurt. How much did it actually hurt? Like, what do you want? A scale like, one to ten, or yeah, how do you want to do this? No, that, that's why uh, you see some like snarky answers from players because the questions the are sometimes stupid. so stupid. Yeah. Andy Roddick was one of my favorites. Like he used to get after it. Mm. Uh, Daniil Medvedev is also very good. Yeah, oh, he's great. But anyway, Big so so obviously, uh, yeah. Long, long story short, we went to an indoor facility. Uh, when you play indoors, the ball goes faster, and generally people hit it cleaner. So. Um, yeah, you're just able to get more points more quickly. So I think that definitely helped um, my uh, two opponents just pass me more easily and get more points. Uh, it's more of a slugfest in that kind of situation, and uh, that's what happened. They both played well, and they won. 
That's a very politically correct answer. Well done. It's like you've been trained for this. <laughs> um, but yeah, oh. I, no, I mean, just uh, I'll give give my boy Jade up some props because he had a great result at TOC. He, uh, I think, he medaled in two events and yeah, got he fourth got first, in the other, third, and fourth. I mean, it's very good. At a boy, especially in that mixed field. Yeah, hundred percent. You almost took him down. I told him I oh, I I deserve half of his medal. <laughs> yeah, you were up fourteen ten. That's brutal. Thirteen seven, fourteen ten. I just wanted him to have his moment. You know, You're awfully benevolent of you. Thank you. Uh, upcoming, we got Orlando. Um, not going to say too much about it. My only thing is that uh, Tennis Channel is supposed to cover this one live, which I think is maybe more huge even than Fox Sports. I think that's amazing. I think it is bigger, yeah. yeah. So we're because all part of that, and it's at the USDA National Facility, so it should be awesome. Because most players are going to be coming from tennis rather than anything yep. else. So to be able to tap into the uh, tennis it's crowd, a lot better I think. exposure to the tennis world than the world at large. Totally. Uh, I have Chicago APP next weekend, not this weekend, next weekend, with uh, Cassidy and Esquivel. That back, should back be to Naperville? F- that should be. No, no, no. Different. No Naperville this year. It's somewhere else, but it's also a local park. Oh, okay. Nice. As are most APPs. Good for you. Thanks, Ben. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> oh, you mean freestyle. freestyle. Freestyle segment. Uh, oh, I'm in Austin again. Uh, I finally got a free week after a whole tournament spree before school starts next Monday. So I decided to go to Austin to see my favorite band, Fleetwood Mac, uh, cover band on Saturday. Also, of course, just to hang out with you, Robert. I thought you were going to say to see your favorite person. You. You really threw me for it. Leap there. <laughs> it's your favorite band. As it goes without saying. Uh, that would be a fun concert. Saturday. Should be, yeah. At Dream- Dream- Dreamland. Dreamland, Dreamland concert venue is amazing. If you haven't been to Austin yet and you haven't uh, been to Dreamland yet, you should be. It is cool. I don't know if you were there for the... We saw Bob Schneider, who, if you don't know Bob Schneider, really, really good just singer-songwriter out of Austin. It was random. I posted like a story on Instagram of us being at that concert. Me, Jack. We were with Steve Kuhn and Brooks Wiley and some other people. And uh, Drake Bernstein. Mm-hmm. Shout out to Drake. Uh, he was like, "Oh, dude, Bob Schneider's amazing." I'm like, I, "It was the first time I'd ever, I'd ever heard of him. I thought it was just a local guy in Austin." I was like, "How have you heard of this guy?" He's like, "I know everybody that's good." It's <laughs> <laughs> like, "Okay, Drake." Interesting. That was a weird flex, <laughs> but uh, no, Drake was funny. He was in uh, when we were in Newport. He was down in San Diego for I think Girls Hard Courts 18s, which is always at Barnes Tennis Center, I believe. And he's doing his recruiting, and he was just fiending to play. He was like, guys, I'll come up to Newport. Let's just, you know, I'll be there 8 p.m. Everybody's like, we play mix tomorrow. We're not going to play at 8 p.m. <laughs> and then he was like, then I was like flying out of San Diego like one morning, and he was like, hey, we're playing at 6.30 a.m. tomorrow. You can make it. And then you can shout at my place. Oh, he's just like itching for it. <laughs> his his job's so demanding as the assistant women's coach at UG, or associate head coach, sorry, at, at UGA for the women's team, but he just wants to play so badly. It's it's awesome. It's a shame he can't play more. Hmm. Um, oh, yeah. I was going to talk a little bit about Denver. So uh, Denver was one of my favorite tournaments, even though it was kind of a smaller one. The venue was nice, but not like as nice as some of the other ones we've been to. What I really appreciate about any venue is being in a place where you can walk to stuff. 100%. I don't like driving, so I stayed in one of the hotels closest to it. Everything was walkable. I could go to food every night. I didn't drive one night to get food. I didn't drive for lunch. I could walk to my smoothie place during the tournament day. I could walk to the venue. And that, above all, is like my favorite thing. It was Cherry awesome. Cherry Creek uh-huh. area in Denver. And really nice. Super cute. Super clean. Yeah. It was like a Denver feel, but not trashy or, or anything. Um, so that was awesome. I'd definitely go back there. Uh, for your local restaurant recommendation, um, 
I stayed at the Hotel de Jacquard, and right across from it, there was this, like, I mean, literally right across the street. You walk across one street, and it's there. Uh, there's this Japanese restaurant where they had something very unique, and, you know, I'm all about experiences. So uh, we go in there. I went with Jack, and um, they have those, I don't know what you call them. You know the sliding wooden Japanese doors with, like, that white paper? Um they're like, oh, okay. They're, they're just Japanese sliding doors, basically. Okay. Uh, and instead of like a normal table, you have this sunken down table where you basically sit on a pillow oh, on the ground. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the, the table's sunken in so that like your feet go into the ground uh, and you're basically at floor level. And the wait- waiter like comes and serves you on the ground. <laughs> and oh, that yeah. was one of my favorite things ever. I'm like, I'm so low right now. It's <laughs> awesome. I'm so I, I, felt low. Like, I felt so cozy and it was super authentic Japanese food. So that was my favorite place. I don't e- remember the name, but I could easily find it again. It's across the street from Chicago. Experiences. Experiences. Loved it. Yeah. Uh, oh, freestyle of the month. Well, actually, one quick thing on okay. just Japanese stuff. Yeah. I love Japanese stuff. So whenever, whenever people ask me, like, okay, we know you don't want a tattoo, but if you were to get a tattoo, what would you get? I'm like, it's a, it's a, it's a non-negotiable. I will never get a tattoo. And th- I think this isn't actually true anymore. But in Japan, they have um, kind of hot springs. They're like natural pools. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know if, you, if, I'm, if I'm pronouncing it right, but onsen, O-N-S-E-N is the English spelling of it. Um, but it's just like basically natural hot springs in Japan. They're, they have them all over the place. Even hotels have them. And you're supposed to go into them nude. But I don't know. This might just be the traditional aspect of it. But if you have a tattoo, you're not allowed to get in the onsen. Oh. For purity reasons, I guess. I'm not sure. I don't know the whole history about it. But anyways, so that's just my that's my reasoning for never getting a tattoo. Can't go in the onsen. Can't go in the onsen. Everyone wants to go in the onsen. Yeah, so who like inspects you? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and where all do you want to inspect to make sure I don't have one, huh? Hey, it's a question I don't want to find out. Exactly. <laughs> do not so inspect. We, we're, we're not even. We're not even risking it. Um, all right, freestyle of the month. So last episode we did was in Newport on the ninth, uh, and uh, we did it right before our flight. So Rob had a flight to New Jersey. I had a flight to Denver, uh, and Jack had a flight back to Austin because she didn't want to go to New Jersey. And basically, I was like. Jack, do you want to just come to Denver? Like, you're not going to do anything in Austin. You should just come to Denver. And, even you know, Robert's not going to be there. But you could have fun in Denver. It's a cute town. And obviously, you're not going to watch pickleball. But you could do whatever. And you could, you know, stay with Hannah or whatever. Uh, and, <laughs> and 10 minutes before we have to leave, she's like, okay. Because <laughs> I had the idea earlier in the week. But I was like, she's never going to say yes if I ask her now. But if I ask her 10 minutes before we have to leave, then it's a yes. Yeah. That's just how she works. So, uh, yeah, that was that was the freestyle of the month. She chose to go to Denver, canceled her flight to Austin, and came to Denver for the whole weekend. I, I was close to doing the same. <laughs> I was like, I don't really want to go to New Jersey either. Uh-huh. I don't want to fly all the way across the country. But you didn't bail on partners, so that's good. <sighs> Principled. Principled. You can't bail on stuff. Cannot. Well, not on partners. You can bail on plenty of stuff, just not just not partners. The day, the day before right. you're supposed yeah, to play. That, that's, yeah, that's... <laughs> uh-uh. um, so, TOC in general, that's also on the list. Uh, My first TOC. Yes. So basically, it's a very interesting tournament because it's one of the OG tournaments that's been going on since 2012. It was one of the biggest for quite a long time, all the way up through like 2018, 2019. It was in like the top three tournaments, basically. And uh, that was mostly due to the prize money. All the pros were there, all that. Uh, and it's been a great tournament for years. What I would say is it, it right now, with everything that's been going on with PPA, PP, all that, it just looks antiquated, much like the u.s open 
kind of looked antiquated this year, which we had many rants about. Uh, It's just that, you know, the location is very out of the way. There's not a ton to do in Brigham City. And uh, it's really just much like like you were saying before. It's basically a park with a lot of courts and, like, some public bathrooms. That's about it. There's no crazy, beautiful stadium. uh, And there's not really much around there. Um, I do have to say, so Kyle Klein always runs it. He's a fantastic director, always does a great job with pretty much everything. He's directed nationals before, and he does a fantastic job. Um, unfortunately, yeah, it's, uh, it just kind of looks antiquated now in, in some ways, like the location and the facilities. Uh, also, which it was kind of strange, is the prize money, as far as I know, I mean, it, they are in a tiered system, so based on the number of entrants, the prize money changes. But uh, even if it had reached the maximum number of entrants, I'm pretty sure the prize money went down since 2019, which is kind of strange to me. And it's also city-owned now, which I don't really know how that works, where you're city-owned and suddenly you have less prize money. You were showing me the payouts. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, I was shocked it was so low for, for first place. Yeah, and so it's like, well, this is one of the tournaments that's considered one of the three majors in the sport. And did you say did you say the senior money was the same as the pro money? I actually don't know. I thought it was. Yeah. But I can't confirm that. Yeah. Um and really what's interesting about pickleball just in general is that, you know, all of our conceptions about pickleball, like what's a major, what's this or what's that, it's all just kind of driven by the public and what they think. There's no official anything. Like there's official four grand slams in, in tennis. That's not official in, in pickleball by any means. Like people consider the yeah. three majors, U.S. Open, Nationals, TOC, and I'm kind of like, so when does that change? Like, what if next year most of the pros don't show up to TOC, which is a possibility, just yeah. with a lot of other options where they have more money. Like the money was approximately equivalent to Denver, um, which, which is, is the, one of the lower correct, tiers yeah. of the PPA. So it's like if you get outclassed both on your location and your money, you don't give players much impetus to come. So say you lose like half your top pro players. Will people still consider it a major? I have no idea. Should it even be? Well, I don't. I don't know. Well, like I, I just I get the kind of the history of it, but uh, I, yeah, there's there's nothing that said major tournament to me. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. just experiencing so it for the first the time when I haven't experienced you know other tournaments. Even to this day, maybe it was just because uh, it was one of my it, it was my first experience in pickleball. You know, playing the 2020 Mesa tournament in arizona mm-hmm. you know that was kind of was that the first ppa ever yep so that's kind of cool for me coming into the sport you know first pro tournament is a brand new pro tour i didn't know that was the first tournament at the time i thought this is like how every ten- tournament right, is right right but it was so sick because you had the big bleachers so they were packed with people i was like honestly this is the first, first ppa event was fantastic just because the crowd was so into it yep. the stadium was always full and they were rowdy they yep. like it was one of the best tournaments i played that's one of the things I actually wrote on in a post today about the cost of pro pickleball was that you're, we're starting to see, you know, one thing that APP does pretty well is they hit different locations pretty well, mm-hmm. right? So it, it allows the community, not that all these communities do this, but it allows the community to kind of rally around pick, local pickleball and really make an event their own. Yeah. But when you have multiple events in the same city in the same year, it kind of reduces the special you know, special kind of the effect, special yeah. effect of For it, sure. right? Sure. Um, like we have three, there's three Vegas tournaments in Vegas. There's three tournaments in Vegas over the next two months. Yeah. So it really makes it hard for... Yeah, I think for next year, the plaza is getting cut from the PPA at least. Okay. So. Yeah, so 
I think, you know, one pro tournament in each city just really allows the community to kind of get behind it and make it a very special event for the players and the fans in the community. Yeah. So I'd like to see less tournaments in one spot throughout the year. Mm -hmm. hmm. um, although we've talked about this issue a number of times, the women's singles draw at TOC was, oof, yikes. Uh, it was four small. players. Yeah, it's a little small, but it's four players. It's a major. Jeez, I don't even really know what to say, honestly. Um, the guys had thirty-one. Yeah, slightly different. I yeah, like I, mean, I don't like what what I thought about this morning is it's like it's so difficult just because like one that's happening, but two, when you have all four players being four of the top players, like it was Michelle, Anna Lee, Callie, and Irina. Yeah. How do you look at that draw as a woman outside of say the top ten and be like? Oh yeah, I should sign up. It's like, well, well, yeah, I'm probably gonna go O two. Like on one hand, yeah, it's nice to try and all, but on the other hand, you're like, I'm not even, I'm not even gonna have a warm up match. I'm just gonna get obliterated. And I'm gonna pay 120 bucks for the event. Yeah, that's that's tough. So it's almost like if there were more women, more women would s more women would sign up. But yeah. you need more women to sign up in the first place for yeah. that to happen. So. Well, uh, one way I'd sign up is if they paid top five. <laughs> <laughs> And then you're getting paid, yeah. Or at well least, well, it would be it would need to be more than the entry fee. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it's crazy. Uh, I think you were telling me I don't know. Like again, I don't know the payouts and all that stuff for TOC. But you're saying it was tiered based on how many how many people entered the tournament, how big the draw size was. Um, do we know what women singles got paid out? I, I don't actually. Okay. Um, because I think the the sheet you showed me was it started at eight players, right? It's like eight to sixteen, or is yeah, this? Yeah, yeah. The whole the payout that I looked at started at eight players. Yeah. So if you guys don't quite understand what we're saying here, is eight to fifteen had a certain payout. Uh, sixteen to twenty four had a certain payout, and then up to thirty one had a different payout. Meaning and then draw size. Thirty two players had a payout. So if you have if you had a draw size of thirty two plus players You're for that event, it's going to pay out the max amount. So, I kind of like that. Yeah, no, the tiered system is cool, for sure. But you shouldn't start it at eight, because, you know, a lot of the women's draws don't get to eight players. <laughs> Rough. Yeah. It's it's actually, it's it's a big issue. Like, we're making light of it, but, like... Um, How do you take a sport seriously when you don't have a women's division, basically? Yeah, you've it's really got to grow. Um, and I know singles is interesting. You know, women go through phases of wanting to play, not wanting to play, and, you know... I, I don't know what it's about. I know it's tough out there, and it's competitive, and it's stressful. Yeah. Um, and often I've heard the argument that, you know, singles is often first, and if it's more on the weekdays, it makes it more difficult for people to play. And I'm like, well, you just got four players for a major on a Saturday. Yeah. Like there's clearly other issues. There's an issue, yeah. Don't know what it is. Oh, uh, well, enough on that. It's time for jackisms. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know. What, what, let's see. Let me pull this up. What do we have this week? These are always fun. How about uh, don't argue me? Don't argue me. <laughs> I mean, this is there's not like I don't. There's not really a specific. I don't story think there's a specific it. story attached to it, but we'll just give it to you. <laughs> um, I think the the main story is that when Jack gets frustrated enough or, or angry enough, or basically just in, in a rushed situation, her English kind of goes Peter, out the window. Yeah, <laughs> which is strange because English is her first language. <laughs> Well, no. you know, when you start to say stuff quickly, sometimes it doesn't come out exactly as you want it. Oh, yeah. 
<laughs> but <laughs> well, no, no. Ahead. Actually, this go- it goes back quite a while. I don't remember the specific moment, but there, like, there is another one she used to say. Uh, oh, she used to say, "Look it, <laughs> look it, look it, <laughs> look it." I'm like, look at it. <laughs> like, what? What do you mean, look it? But then I started hearing other people say, "Look it." I'm like, am I the wrong one here? <laughs> like, is she right? Is it actually look it? So she would always say, "Look it, look it." I'm like. <laughs> how old are we like, what do you <laughs> like it, look makes, it? it makes sense to look it yeah look it uh but it's along the same vein of don't argue me it's like we'll be talking about something we won't even be arguing i'll just like have a i'll have a i'll offer a differing opinion and then she'll just she just like looks at me with a blank face for a while and then just says don't argue me <laughs> <laughs> don't not, don't argue with me not anything like that just don't argue me don't argue. I, me. I don't want to hear it. Don't argue me. <laughs> I'm like, huh? Okay. Uh, that that that'll shut down an argument. Yeah, I'm, like, I'm not gonna argue you. <laughs> so Jackism of the episode. <laughs> don't argue me. Okay, it's time for hot takes. Don't argue me would actually be a good shirt. It's short to the point. Uh oh yeah, that's. The, I mean, we I have a list of the Jackisms, and we're gonna put multiple of them on shirts. Don't argue me. <laughs> Look it. It's a good one too. Look it. <laughs> Just short. Okay, my my first hot take is that all flour-based products should have more egg in them and less flour when baking. Yeah, I would agree with that. And I think the point we talked about the other day is is pancakes. Yeah, so... Protein pancakes are amazing. Protein pancakes, German pancakes. So basically, you use a lot more egg and a lot less flour. And it's like the pancakes we normally eat in the U.S. are just like so dense and floury. It's like, oh, how can you eat more than one and be like, oh, I'm feeling like I need to go take a nap now. What was that? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was very weird. I was I was posting an Instagram story showing our podcast. You know, got to promote nice. this thing. Nice. And uh, yeah, and then something came but up. Eggs are healthier. Flour's not healthy. Correct. Uh, and it tastes better too. Tastes much better. Yeah, I have a good German pancake recipe. Less filling, honestly. Yeah, it's, I don't, it's lighter. Yeah, you don't want to finish eating pancakes and be just overly stuffed and full. No. You want to feel like you're ready to attack the day. Heck yeah. Egg-based products. Egg-based. Oh, oh, let's talk about this. Fans should have etiquette. I like talking about this. Uh, well, first, I'd say it's not so much on the fans as the venue. Uh, and I'd say back to TOC just briefly, uh, and the PPA does a good job of this, is they always have an area for the players where it's supposed to just be for the players. Some fans still find a way to get there. Uh, but they basically you know, have a removed area where the pros have some peace. And it's not like we can't sign autographs or take pictures and all that. Uh, it's just that at certain times it can be very exhausting. Maybe you're about to go on. Maybe you're you just you're just coming off. Maybe you're eating, preparing. Somehow, you know, there's a lot of stuff you got to do during the day, where you don't necessarily have time to take pictures and autographs and do that kind of stuff. Um, so if you have an area, then it's nice because you you know you have that time, and whenever you kind of go out, then you'll be asked. But uh, you can stay in there for the most part. And the PPA has done a great job with that, especially this year. But uh, like TOC, for instance, was not like that. And what's interesting about TOC is it's long been thought to be more of a player's tournament because originally it was just pros. There weren't even amateur divisions. Uh, so the pros kind of found it cool because you could relax and just see each other, and yeah. that, that was it. Um, th- that's not true anymore, and it's not true at a lot of tournaments where you know you got a lot of amateurs and they become more fanatical about pros to where you know you're getting asked for pictures and autographs like a lot. I'm sorry about that. Like <laughs> I know at TUC people kept coming up to me asking for my autograph and I kept sending them to you. Um, 
I won't do that anymore. I'll just sign it myself. <laughs> Thanks, Rob. Yeah. Thanks. Uh, so, yeah, it, it's it's basically just that I feel like tournaments should have uh, an area. just Private players area. Yeah. I simple. Mean, it's, it's simple enough. And are, we talking about, are we talking about tournaments? I, I got a couple things I can say. <laughs> Go ahead. Okay, thank you. Um, yeah, so that's a that's a key point. One one that I keep bringing up over and over is I'll be watching a center court match and I'll be like, oh, score what's point. the score? I oh, everybody quiet. I'm trying to hear the ref. And then the ref says it not loud enough. I'm like, oh, anybody get, know the get, score? Get it next time. <laughs> oh, everybody quiet again. What's the score? So scoreboards. The only tournament I've seen do it, and maybe Nationals does it, I don't know, but the APP at Delray, and that was just you, because you, the stadium US, court US had it. did it. Delray US, did it. Yeah, US Open did it. it. That's a, such a small thing. It's a basic. I'll, I'll text Connor today. Just such a small thing. Buy a little scoreboard, even one. Two would be great if you have one on each end. Yeah. But that's easy to transport. It's digital, and it just helps so much. Yeah. It's, it makes the fans' experience so much better, and the players, so you don't have to constantly listen. That's a good point, Robert. You're a man with ideas, and I like it. Can I talk about something else? Sure. Thank you. So New Jersey Open. Um we played with a normal, you know, normal durable on on mixed day, which was a Friday. <laughs> and then I get to I get to the venue Saturday morning venue. I get to the public park Saturday morning and I look around and the matches on court are playing with a neon ball. I'm like, are we di- are <laughs> did we just go to the X40? Because I'm here for that if we did. But no, they didn't. They went to the Neondura. They went to the Neondura, which actually probably plays more different than the regular Dura versus the X40. Guys, let me tell you something. When you change the color of a ball, it will play different. And there is a reason that we do not use the Neondura in most tournaments. All right? So obviously you can see Neon better. That is the most visible ball. But no pro tournament uses the Neon ball since 2017 Canadian Nationals for a reason. When they put that neon in it, it made it much more malleable, so it gets deformed a lot quicker, and it feels different off the paddle. It feels softer. Um, it, it just has a more of a range of variability from how it performs cold to how it performs hot. It's not nearly as good of a ball. Uh, and when you change it, it's drastically different. You know, People can say it's called the same ball. It should be the same ball. And while that's true, it's simply not. So don't go using the neon dura, and definitely do well, not switch from a yellow dura to a neon dura. Well, yeah, that's I don't I don't like I've said this before. I don't really care what ball we play with, um, as long as I have time to prepare for that ball. Yeah, you know, if we have a, if we if there's a tournament that's labeled as you know New Jersey Open, we're playing and they announce we're playing with the the neon dura. Great, I can actually practice with that. You know, the few days leading up to it, and be ready for it when the tournament comes. No problem. But just to un un like randomly switch balls from yeah, one day to the next is just that. is just really really strange and not something that should happen at the pro level. No, yeah, that's not good. So there's that. Uh, what else we have on the list? Uh, well, back to my original comment, which is fans should have some etiquette. Yeah. Um, you know, maybe don't like crowd players or bother them continuously if they look like they're clearly doing something that seems like a basic i know you want your picture your autograph but maybe just wait till they're done eating or something i don't know so on that point ben when would be so like because people obviously want to get your autograph they want to get a picture with you Mm -hmm. when would be the appropriate time for a fan to request that if i'm looking like i'm sitting down and i'm not doing anything you know maybe i'm not wrapping my paddle i'm not you know i'm just sitting there maybe i'm on my phone that's fine no 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 problem uh, if I'm standing or walking around, but it, I'm not going to play, like I don't have my bag over my shoulder, 
fine no problem um and, and you know it, it, i don't even really have a problem with it if you're just you know you're gonna um ask or like, you're not always going to be a, a perfect fan you're there for you know you want a picture or an autograph whatever i mean it's it's fine it's going to happen where it's inopportune for me and that's just part of the deal that's fine uh i'm just saying in general maybe be a little conscientious of it and that would be nice for sure and it's pickleball's a little different like you don't you know you don't see this in other sports where the players are you know mixed in with the with the crowd with no. the crowd yeah, yeah so a little different i think yeah i think some of the pro tournaments can do a little bit of a better job in terms of just giving you privacy areas. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think that'll get there. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, just a brief note on that. Uh, back to service rules, Robert. You uh, ah, yeah. talk about service. I don't know. It's just a big topic on Facebook. We don't actually have to talk about it. Yeah, we talked about it a little bit. I mean, I can reiterate what I said before uh, on last episode. I think the gist is that, you know, people are still talking about the Spencer, whether it should be legal or not. And uh, the USAPA is considering implementing a rule where you can't use your, like, paddle hand to impart spin of the ball. You can only use the hand that uh, you start, you know, to your left hand, basically, if you're a righty player. And uh, while I get the intention of this, it's like it, it can still be good. Morgan has the best serve in the game, and he, he only doesn't uses use his left hand. Yeah, correct. Uh, so I think the, the point is that it can still be abused, and whether or not it should be abused or not, I always just come back to uh, something like table tennis where essentially making the serve better, I don't have a problem with that. But if you ever get to a point in any sport or any game where there's too much guesswork involved or there's literally just no way to use skills to determine something, it probably shouldn't be happening. So, for instance, in table tennis, there's ways, if you don't toss with an open, open palm, to completely hide the spin on the ball such that you can't see it on the ball you can't see it coming off the paddle, uh, and it's the, and I can make this kind of comparison because it's very different from tennis. Tennis, the, the ball is pocketed by the strings, so the spin it starts with doesn't matter nearly as much, whereas with table tennis, it takes an extreme of pickleball, which is, yeah, it's a flat surface. It's a much more grippy surface, but it's a flat surface, so the mechanics work very similarly. Uh, but you can impart spin on the ball with the toss and then do stuff with the paddle where it shows one thing and a different thing will happen, and you really have no way to actually determine what is going on uh and that's not true if you toss with an open palm if you toss with an open palm whatever the paddle does is what it's going to do and they still do a very good job of hiding it with their motion um but the point is you can't hide the ball behind your body you can't start it with spin and that's just to prevent players from making the other player guess and if you put guesswork into it it takes the skill out of it so how would you like to and take an extreme just because extremes help me if you have to literally guess, somebody gets good enough at serving where there is no actual physical way to tell what kind of spin is on the ball, and you have to guess right or left. And whenever you guess wrong, you miss 100% of those, and you guess right 50% of the time. That means you're missing 50% of your returns, yeah. and you're making 50. Yeah. Fun game. Good game, guys. Well, you know, let's, let's flip a coin for the point now. Just to compare, because it was so random, on the flight back from, uh, where did we come from? Salt Lake? We just came from Salt Lake. Yeah. So on the flight back from Salt Lake, it was on Delta, and randomly was watching live TV while doing some work, and I glance up and I see spike ball. Yeah. And, you know, it was mixed. It was men, men with a woman playing another man with a woman, and we saw our buddies Preston, and I saw Ryder, mm -hmm. and they were playing. And then I sent that to them, and I even posted on Instagram, and he was like, yeah, it's not. Because yeah. it was on ESPN too, which I thought was really cool. I, like, yeah. I had never seen it before, and, and they're like, "Oh yeah, that's not real spike ball." Like, yeah, that's not real. They're like, that's ki that's kind of fake. Yeah, kind of staged. It's very fake. And they then they stage the points to look interesting. And, and then Ryder sent me a 
clip of like the highest level of him, you know, Ryder and Pressner looked at as kind of the top top dogs. Top dogs in the sport, definitely top three, each of them. And um, they sh- the points they showed me were it was serve nothing else. Yep. It was whoever can serve the best. And the points were boring, honestly. Like Very boring. They would hit a serve, and then there'd be, you know, the rest would come together almost after every serve to see if it was legal or not, mm-hmm. whether it hit the pole or, or was clean. And uh, that's just not very fun. And, and the reason it's bad is because it's either a service winner or it's a double fault. And yes. the reason they double fault so much is because they realize that if they don't get the service winner and if their opponents do get the ball back, it's over. the point is over. Because on that third hit, they can hit 360 degrees. Nobody really gets the ball back. There are no rallies. The point uh-huh. is over. And I think the main point is nobody wants to watch a sport where it's not interesting long rallies. Well, that's why they didn't put the real stuff on ESPN2. Nobody would watch it. It's so boring. Nobody, yeah, nobody would want to see it. On that. ESPN2, they had the mix, and like the points were a little longer, and they were doing cool stuff. But it was just, you know, I think... It, it's sad that that's they had to even do that for spike ball. Like they, they, I think they need to figure out some way to actually make the points longer. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the beauty of pickleball. Honestly, is you know you have these really high tension long points where every point matters quite a lot. And if it just becomes a serve and return game, then you yeah. might as well be tennis. And I love evolution of the game. I love things improving. I really want to emphasize that because that's what's very important about the game. Yeah. And that's why you know like paddle technology advancing is great. Uh, new shots and you know pickleball is the epitome of a, a sport that advances and has new stuff all the time and that's awesome. Uh, it really, my my point is that y- you don't want the sport to to kind of lose its luster and it could if you kind of prevent rallies. That's one thing that most sports try to have is excitement and points and s- taking that out of it with huge serves and not a lot of returns is it would be a way to do that. And I think the, the real point is that you can get a lot better at serving than you can at returning. If you have to guess, there's not really a way to get better at it. No. Uh, and there are certainly ways to get good enough at serving in order to, to make it guesswork for your opponent. And that's why they took it out of table tennis. So um, I, th- I think that's the real point. And I'm okay with the serve being very good and better. That's fine. I just don't want guesswork to be in it. So you don't think they should be able to even use their non-paddle hand to create spin with the ball? Uh, if there's a way to make players guess and there's no feasible way to, to get better at reading it such that you can know, then no, I don't think it should be legal. And the only way I can actually think, uh, like I haven't really thought about it super deeply, but the only way I know that wouldn't happen is if you have to do like table tennis, which is tossing with an open, open palm. Open palm, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. But I think that's enough on the serve. We've Agreed. talked about the serve plenty. And okay. that's our opinion. I think that's probably the way it's gonna eventually go. Um, Strategy stuff. So we've gotten a lot of feedback from you guys about uh, more strategy being talked about, uh, whether it's at the pro level, like uh, our matches, or just general tips, just random stuff. You kind of liked it when we did that, so we're going to keep talking about some cool stuff. I like it. Robert, before we start talking, you started talking about what about mixed with the guy on the right side, uh, like you as a right side player. Totally. Look, I'm trying to figure out mixed. and. <laughs> It's not going so well. Like, I'm getting some decent wins here and there, but I'm not able to sustain throughout an entire tournament to get on the medal stand, really, at a at a higher-level tournament. So I've been trying to figure out, and, and part of it for me is I sit backhand a bit more, so my backhand's a bit more natural um, than, than forehand. So if I'm on the left side, my forehand's in the middle, which isn't my strongest shot, in my opinion. When I'm on the right, I've got my backhand in the middle, and we've talked quite a bit about me 
being a right side player, you just don't really see that in mixed very much, if at all. You'll see some people play straight up um, sometimes, but you won't really see the guy park on the right and have the woman park on the left with her forehand in the middle. Mm -hmm. But I'll be honest with you, there's quite a few women that have bigger forehands than I do in the middle. <laughs> so I'm not opposed to having a woman on the left that can smack a forehand in the middle if my backhand hasn't gotten to it first, which, you know, to be honest, it probably has. Because <laughs> my backhand comes on you fast. <laughs> it sure does. So, uh, so my, my thought process is if the woman has a stronger forehand on the left than I do and my backhand middle is better than hers – and if I'm parked in front of the guy, he's going to have a tougher time attacking me. And if I have a good woman on the left that's stronger than the woman right in front of her because she'll be head on with a woman and she can light her up, why is that not a perfect strategy? And you told me it's fundamentally flawed. Mm -hmm. I don't know if I agree. I think uh, I'm going to provide I think you with this some sound beautiful. analysis. Sound analysis. So a, a good team that actually does this a lot is Corinne and Adam. So yes. Corinne will play the ad side a lot with Adam, and I think that's uh, a pretty cool example of how it can work. I actually don't think it's fundamentally flawed. I think it can be good for a lot of reasons. So the first is, you know, what if you are simply the underdog in a matchup where you're just like, do I really want to watch the two women grind cross court yeah. when I know mine is typically going to lose that that rally? They're right. either going to miss their dink first or they're going to pop it up first and I'm going to get something slammed down my throat. And it's like there are certain matchups where you just know your girl is not up to the yeah. same standard as the opponents. And you're just like, we got to try something different. So in a situation like that, perfectly reasonable. Uh, and then there's just uh, like a couple of reasons, kind of like you mentioned, why you might want that. Uh, first is your girl can hit an Ernie a lot easier on the left side than yeah. um, than the other girl can. And when you're dinking straight up, that's a very viable play because they can hit their forehand True. as a righty and the other girl's hitting their backhand. Um, so that's also more viable. Uh, like you said, you can kind of prevent your um, girl from being attacked by the guy as much because he'd have to attack cross court, which is a lot easier to defend. Yep. Uh, and you're covering your line. And really what people see as the main disadvantage of this is that the other guy has their forehand in the middle. You have your back in the middle, so you're not going to be able to, to be as, as aggressive um, like off of drops and stuff. So even that, while true, is not my main reason why I dislike it. The main reason is that you can't really keep the other guy out of it as much. So basically, if I ever see that formation, and I'm not saying I haven't had trouble with it from time, from time to time, uh, but I can't remember a time where I've actually lost that formation simply because if your two girls are dinking straight up, that's the time where I can come furthest over. I can basically crunch my girl off to the, you know, the line on the side of the court and say, hey, you got to hit to me now or you got to try to go cross court with me. So hit cross court, I'll dink it back to you or you'll give me something attackable. Or get down, go down the line, and I can still be there and still get the ball, in which case I'm still favored against you. So that, to me, against certain teams is, is going to be very unfavorable. But I just get it in that in certain matchups, you're, you're not going to win the other way around. So you might as well, might try, as well try just try to it. give them yeah. something different to look at, and that can be tough. Especially against a team where you're not favored, but also the guy isn't super mobile. Uh, I think it's a, it's a good play. Yeah, that's fair. Um, it, it's also good just because if you have a, one of these girls that doesn't really like to dink cross court but just likes to attack the ball like your more tennis style players your your bangers and stuff like that much more viable to put them over there your lees your annalees it's like yeah i mean when you see kyle and annalee together sometimes you see kyle on the deuce court and yep. annalee on the ad and that seems to work very well because she just kind of lights up the girl in front of her yeah exactly so it, it's certainly viable it's just it, it really depends on who you're playing and what their style is as well yeah fair enough I like it. I'm still going to try it. Yeah. What, what I've always said is the ideal mixed doubles team actually 
is a lefty guy and a righty girl. Lefty then they guy. then they got yeah. straight up, and your girl has that righty Ernie. Yeah. But that lefty guy can still get in there just as much. Two forehands in the middle. Is that what you said? Uh huh. Lefty guy, righty girl. Yeah. And you wouldn't really want the opposing thing because then you got a lefty girl going straight up with the guy, and she's not going to Ernie him nearly as much. Yeah. That's interesting though, because I don't know. I mean, there's a handful of women that prefer to be in the left in mix. Like you know, you said Karen. Um, who else? Sarah. I know Sarah. Sarah. Does. Yeah. Um, I think Lee and Anna Lee do. Yeah. So but when you have them playing with like, I I think we're missing a a lot of really good lefty guys like Kyler is mm-hmm. probably the best one. Yeah. Um, but there's no nobody really other than him. Maybe Wes. So it's uh, Cassidy. Yeah, it's it's pretty slim. Um, but I'd, I'd be interested interested to see a very good lefty guy and a very good righty girl. Go ahead. But conversation for another time. Yep. Uh, what I've actually had questions on recently is switching versus stacking from two independent people. Okay. Uh, this guy Landon, he's one of our dedicated listeners, and gave a ride back from. Uh, or what section are we in? Strategy. Oh, I thought we were in the questions of the week. <laughs> <laughs> not not quite yet. These are questions I've had outside of uh sure the podcast, but. Um, so Landon gave me a ride back from Brigham City to Salt Lake City at like midnight after we finished on Saturday. So thank you, Landon. And thanks for being a dedicated listener. Um, he was asking about switching versus stacking. Why do I always stack versus switch? What's the difference? Because uh, most people seem to switch instead of stack. Uh, and then I also got this question from another person just via Insta, uh, another pro actually. And uh, it's pretty simple to me. So basically why the advantage of switching is that it's a signal. You don't actually know for sure if somebody's going to switch or not, so but, that can throw some doubt in their mind. But it's you like, do. Yeah, so some teams will always do it, and some teams will do it some of the time. So, like, for instance, an Adam and Corinne will not always switch. They're going to stay sometimes. So it, it makes sense for somebody like them. Yeah. Whereas if I'm playing, it's like you're always you know I'm going to yeah. be on the left side. What's there's, the point of there's switching? There's no point of switching. And uh, it gets in your line of sight on the ball. So, so that's the real disadvantage that people overlook. And they're like, oh, don't you have to run further when you're stacking or something like that? I was like, well, no, it's still the same distance. Uh, your real problem with switching is that when somebody switches, there's always going to be a brief time where that partner switching is in front of uh, the, the partner that's running diagonal. And if they happen to be on that timing where they block out the ball, then if they drive the ball, that becomes a much more difficult drive to handle. And I don't want to deal with that. So um, I, I always stack because I'm always going to be on the left and I don't want my vision impaired or my partner's vision impaired yeah. by that drive. Spe- especially in mixed, yep. there's so many free points that you can get if you hit a decent oh, serve yeah. and you get a short oh, third yeah. and you can just drive as I they're love switching. It when, I it's my love favorite. it when they're switching. It's oh, my favorite. Gosh, it's like you just know that they can't see the ball. Yep. Tough. Um, so, yeah, I, especially in mixed, I don't really get it. I'm just like, I know you guys are going to be switching, so yeah. stack. <laughs> exactly. Uh-huh. Okay. And then combining one question with one more strategy thing from Mike. Uh, one of our most dedicated listeners. He, li- he remember Mike is the guy that uh, listened to the podcast we released like the day of. Oh, that, okay. that yeah, morning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I remember you telling me that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, he said, it looks like we had some in-game strategy change in the winner's final of mixed doubles at TOC. Uh, what do you look for in a match in order to change strategy and what kind of adjustments might you make? So he's talking about uh, Smoney and I were down a game in 5-1 to Riley and Catherine because they went in that new formation that you just talked about yeah. where uh, Catherine was on the left side. Um, so what do you look for in a match in order to change strategy? For this, it's pretty simple. I just look for pattern recognition. What are we winning? What is the pattern? What's the combination of shots or the one shot that really makes a difference in the rally? What are we losing? Why are we losing it? That kind of thing. Um, in that particular match, 
for instance, just as an example, uh, we were just kind of getting this thing where Riley was hitting backhands from like the middle-ish of the court to Simone, and she was getting attacked a lot. Uh, and there, there really wasn't a lot of ball movement or anything like that, and we just kept losing that pattern. Uh, and eventually I just said, hey, you don't need to like grind cross-court with Riley or anything, but you got to throw it over there just to get them you know, off, off the of middle. The, yeah, off the middle of the of the court because you can't go line because the captain's going to earn you, and then you're just going middle with Riley, and it's like that's not a – winning strategy so you really just had to move the ball around that was just pattern recognition of hey we're losing these these patterns um and what kind of adjustments might you make pretty simple it's just whatever pattern you're recognizing that's bad get out of that pattern somehow and whatever patterns you're recognizing that are good try to keep getting those yeah i noticed i i think it's a really common theme in terms of like i when i look back at matches that i've lost it's because i couldn't recognize the patterns fast enough and get out of them fast enough yeah it's actually the pattern just rides it out skill absolutely because it's very easy to stay in that pattern and wonder like why do we keep losing this uh-huh. and then the match is over right so making making mid-game adjustments is is huge and i think you know if you're not the one to make changes you should talk to talk about that with your partner ahead of time you're like look if, if we get stuck in some if we get stuck in weird patterns tell me because sometimes I can't see it and vice versa and just communicate that and help each other get out of that pattern. Cause I know like in, in my match in Jersey with Eden and against uh, JW and Johnny, like we just had Eden basically dinking the entire time with uh, Johnny cross court and Johnny would go middle dink sometimes. And I would just let that pass and let Eden take it. And I got into this passive role and we got in these patterns where I just couldn't get us out of them. And if I, if I had, if I had taken some of those middle dinks, and taken it to J-Dub and gotten into a backhand dink rally with J-Dub, uh, we would have had some more success. But we just, I just couldn't, like looking back, I just couldn't get out of those patterns. Yeah. So. And at the same time, I'd be wary of being paranoid about strategy because I feel like a lot of you will try to change it too quickly and they go to something that they are not familiar with or not comfortable with and that just causes them to lose straight up. Uh, you really want to make sure that you actually recognize the pattern for what it is. Don't change too early like make sure it's actually a thing but you didn't just lose one point oh can't do that yeah it's like well no it's just gonna happen sometimes because that's just how pickleball is uh so you got to be careful about that because if you change something you're not familiar with that's not a good thing so i would also try to change the strategy in such a way that you're still going to something that you can execute (laughs) yeah um so yeah there's that Uh, i hope you guys enjoy the strategy stuff if you uh want anything in particular let us know but we'll, we'll throw in some, some stuff now and again. Uh, oh. oh. Oh, no. It's time. <laughs> I, I know that face. Questions. Questions of the week. Questions. And this is, this is going to be a, a behemoth of a podcast because we're already at an hour 22. Oh, my gosh. And here I was. This is going to be our longest ever. And here I was thinking this was going to be a short episode. And then we went on a tangent for 13 minutes without even getting to a topic at the beginning. I was like, oh, no, it's going to be one of those ones. I'm, I'm liking it, though. <laughs> a marathon episode? More us is good. <laughs> More us is good. I'm going to grab a water. Would you like one? <laughs> sure. As you start this new segment? Sure. Why not? Go ahead and start it. All right. Uh, okay. I'll take a couple. So, actually, you know what? Just to add on to this whole marathon thing, uh, I submitted questions to Instagram yesterday on my story. for. I was just like, hey, ask us questions for the podcast tomorrow. And you guys sent in, like... I don't know, 80 or 90 questions. Like it was an obscene amount. That's just me. Rob did it too. And he's got a ton. Um, so I think we're just going to do rapid fire questions. I saved a lot of them. If we don't address your question, I'm sorry. Um, but hopefully we do. Cause we're just going to go rapid fire and answer them as quickly as possible. No tangents this time. Uh, so I'm going to start off with rapid fire. Rapid fire? All right. You got it. Uh, I'm going to start. 
Okay, Robert. Um, from the Dink, uh, he the the Dink heard about a player's letter to USA Pickleball about Nationals and their vaccination policy. Um, what do you think about it? Well, um, I may have been somewhat involved in that, and I think basically the U.S. Uh, USA Pickleball has its hands tied. It's not them mandating any policy not going to get into vaccinations or not or anything like that. It's simply that the facility is mandating it and the USA Pickleball is pretty much at the mercy of the facility. Uh, they have tried to get things done to no avail. So if you're on that bandwagon of, uh, you know, having liberty and all that, uh, that's fantastic. Good for you. But uh, get mad at Indian Wells, not USA Pickleball, because they don't really have any power in this situation. Or us. Or us. <laughs> Um, ba, 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 from Smash Bros, they want to see us interview some female pro friends. Um, you know, we do interviews as they come along, but I can tell you that the first pro we want to interview is Irina Tarashenko because she's go. the coolest ever. Uh, she's hilarious and she provides a lot of cool insights. So when we can get her, we absolutely will. It's funny when uh, because <laughs> I did a clinic with you and Irina, mm -hmm. and Irina basically told me she's like, the only reason I come to these is to make been less boring because you'll be doing your like your normal routine of like this is how you hit a dink this is how you hit a third and Irina's just there for the comedic relief she oh, says she's so funny so she adds a lot she's yeah, awesome she does um from ricky who's your favorite pickleball commentator very uh, i got i got three here Irina, morgan and cassidy Irina because she's cool provides good insight and she's funny morgan is smooth funny good insight kind of the same thing as Irina, but the male side of it uh, Cassie, I think, brings a lot of excitement, uh, more more energy than the other two, uh, which can get people excited. Uh, all right, Robert, why don't you just go rapid fire with some questions? I got all of mine here. Who are the people from Bad Boy Pickleball? I mean, that's a phenomenal question. I don't even know. You don't need to know. Bad Boy <laughs> Pickleball is a conglomerate. It's like, uh, what, what are some of the other, like... Uh, Smash Bros. No, no, no. I mean, like... Um, like those groups where you don't know who they are like the hackers what are the hackers called you know what i mean you know what i'm Wiki saying leaks black hats no <laughs> what are you talking about there's like uh <laughs> i don't know <laughs> I'm trying to think of like some name for this underground group of hackers that i might just be making up in my head hmm. anyways they're an anonymous I, I know what you're talking about but i i don't know what who are the ones that wear like the mask you know what I'm talking about, like the the crazy mass that you see, and like they're everywhere, and V for Vendetta. They're nowhere, Guy but Fox? everywhere. Guy Fox. No, yeah, no, <laughs> kind of, but no. Uh, okay, so who are they? They're just a really funny group on Instagram that I became buddies with. They were at Salt Lake, or they're at uh, TOC. They came up from Salt Lake. That's where they live, and they're funny. Like the thing that caught my attention about them early was that like just the humor. Like they put their sponsors, and it was like fire festival uh which was like if you don't know fire festival it was there's a amazing documentary on it watch it it was these guys including ja rule that tried to throw this you know kind of music festival in the caribbean and it was just all kind of made up like they even got people to the island and nothing it was like set up with like tents it looked like a refugee camp uh not like a luxury music festival which people paid thousands of thousands of dollars to go to so they're like Fire Festival, sponsored by Enron, sponsored by Lehman Brothers, just all these defunct companies that just were complete failures. So they're funny. And they're trying to make pickleball fun for the younger generation. 
Because right now it's still kind of known as an older person sport, RVs, that kind of thing, 50 plus. So they're just trying to bring a good energy to pickleball for the younger, younger generation, which I love. That's bad boy pickleball. How do sponsors work? How do you pay for tournament fees and travel? With money. With money. Um, so how do sponsors work? So I just wrote a post today about the cost of pro pickleball. It goes through a lot of the costs associated with playing, including travel, tournament fees, registration fees, all that stuff. Um, honestly, I would just read that because I spent a lot of time writing it. and it's, Go it, read Robert's stuff. It, it was, it, it was well, well written. It tells the whole story. Uh, but we basically, yeah, we pay for tournaments and fee, tournament fees and travel. I don't know. It depends on the sponsor and who's doing it. But uh, some sponsors pay you a stipend or pay you a fee, and then you pay for everything out of your, you know, on your own. Some do reimbursements. It really depends on the sponsor and how it works. Um, but yeah, that's typically it. Anything else? No. Okay. What are your pickleball pet peeves? I got one. What? Ever since, ever since I, like, my first tournament, um, I was just always confused. And even coming into pickleball, like, watching, like, looking at stuff online, I was like, why do they have medals? Like, why gold medal, bronze medal, silver medal? Like, why are they, like standing on a stand and holding, like having medals around their neck, holding their paddles. I've always just thought that's the weirdest thing. Like you never saw that in tennis. It's just, I always found it to be very strange. You know what I really like, which I think should be implemented is, so I played some tournaments in Scotland right after, uh, tennis tournaments in Scotland, right after I graduated, I coached this kid in uh, the Highlands with basically his personal coach, but I also played some of tournaments around there too. And they had, and this is common in Europe, I think, but they had, Basically a trophy, like one of the big trophies that you see, like think think Wimbledon trophy, but for a small tournament up in the Scottish Highlands. Uh, but same kind of thing. And each year they would basically etch your name in with the year that you won it. That's cool. Which I think's sick because it builds tradition. Yeah. Right? Getting a medal at TOC this year didn't really do anything to build tradition. I don't even know where my TOC medals are. Exactly. So, but having your name etched into a trophy that's there every year is pretty sick. So I like I like that. So tournament directors, listen up. Etch names into things. Trophies. Massive trophies. <laughs> that's I don't I know. Mean, that's, that's T- my TOC take. does have that. That's that's cool. Yeah, I saw that trophy, yeah. Do they etch your name? I, I probably. <laughs> okay. I know I'm on the twenty nineteen one. Yeah. Um let me show you how to do rapid fire, all right, Robert? Well no no no, dude. Pickleball pet peeves. You gotta name one. I don't think I have any. Can't name one. Oh, I didn't it, know we were doing rapid fire. I know I yelled rapid fire earlier. I didn't realize I was doing rapid fire. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, if, if I, I'm not good at rapid fire, I like ranting. <laughs> you <laughs> we don't want to get too ranty. Yeah, kind of. So you don't have any pet peeves? Nope. Okay. Question. Okay. Why are pickleball refs so against making pickleball fun? CC horn blowing slash crowd cheering. These are from. I don't boy. know refs that do that. Yeah, there it was a, this is a specific example from TOC. So the bad boy pickleball crew brought a horn, very small. It's not like one of those blow horns that was like, Aah! it was like a, like a, it looked like oh, it yeah, was a yeah, horn, yeah. like a medieval horn from, you know, I don't know. But when you blow it, it's like, <laughs> sounds like a really bad trombone. <laughs> and uh, so they were blowing that like when, you know, an opponent missed a third which I think is a perfect time to blow a depressing horn. After you miss a third, come on, it's perfect. Uh, but no, I saw, like, so they were doing that in one of the matches I was playing, and then I saw Byron was like, no, no, you got to stop that. 
I was like, this, this is fun. This is pickleball supposed to be fun. We're supposed to, you know, it's not, it wasn't like overly loud. It wasn't overly obnoxious. It just, you know, they were chanting. They were doing some singing a little bit. I think pickleball needs it. They weren't being disrespectful at all. They weren't doing anything during points. They weren't, you know, being derogatory to opponents or anything like that. It was just all in good fun. And I think refs and tournament directors should allow that. And I know the Bad Boy Pickleball crew even got warned before they even did anything by the tournament director at TOC just because they saw him walking around with bad boy pickleball shirts and a horn. <laughs> and they got... <laughs> These guys look like bad news. They got stereotyped. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Accurate. Un- unbelievable. But everybody, lighten up. Let's have some fun with pickleball. It's all in good fun. Mm-hmm. What does it mean... Okay, I can't do that one. Okay, that's all I got. Okay. Why don't you just... you know, I, I just have screenshots here sure. of the questions. Just slide through. Ask me whatever you want, and I'm going to do my quickest. My quickest answers. I like it. Just surprise me. Uh, swipe. Uh, what do you do? Swipe right. Go right. I go that to way. See more. Yeah. Okay. Do you want these first? Uh, you can ask whatever you want in whatever order. Do you think you will ever stop playing pickleball? Uh, yeah, eventually. <laughs> Such a bad answer. Yeah. I, basically, if I uh, stop playing pro, I'll good. play occasionally, and that's then just you know, funny. if I ever get an injury that prevents me from playing, like I'll probably always play casually at least for fun, like but a lot more rarely. <laughs> Can we get an update on Johnny Goldberg's stomach? I I don't know the inner workings of Johnny Goldberg's stomach. Sorry, what's your Kyle. What's your favorite drill to work on your hand speed? Uh, where I volley back and forth, you know, doing fast hand stuff. If you ever think, hey, what is the drill to to work on this? Probably think of the situation where you need it, and then do that a lot. What do you look for in a good partner? Um, good positivity, and most importantly, a good player. Do you like playing against Jeff Warnick? Do you ever talk back to him? I saw you stare him down. I love playing against Jeff. He's hilarious, uh, and I haven't lost to him in a long time. <laughs> and uh, I, I don't take his ranting or his comments seriously. They're very funny. I have stared him down. I haven't talked to him during a match for quite a while. But uh, I, I just think it's funny to give him something back as long as you don't take it too seriously. If Djokovic trained Pickle for one week, do you think he would beat you in singles? No. These, I feel like, can we get to elaborate on this a little bit? Because sure. this is a very common yeah. question. Yeah. No. No. <laughs> <laughs> Why? People underestimate how long it takes to get good at pickleball. Yeah. They really do. Yeah. You cannot just flip a switch from tennis to pickleball and be beating top pros right away. Just, I don't care. I don't, it doesn't matter how good you are. You've seen this with uh <laughs> So baby, uh, let me tell you a story. It's actually pretty a, a little bit funny. I find it funny. So Deckel and Colin, uh, I introduced them both to pickleball. They were both they're not Novak Djokovic, but they were both professional tennis players. They're both very, very good. And when you get that good, like it, it becomes like a plateau to where it's like 100%. these guys are very good tennis players, all right? So you can make them akin to other tennis players uh, that are very good. And they started with singles because that was the most natural transition. And uh, this in uh, this year, like I was one or two in singles. Uh, I was I was very good, uh, but I wasn't what I am now. And for the first like two one to two months that they were playing, I could still beat them one on two. <laughs> oh wow! Yeah, uh, I didn't know that. Yeah, <laughs> I like that. So uh, that should tell you something. It's just uh, people kind of forget about all the stuff that goes into getting good, even at something like singles, like you got to figure out the paddle mechanics. You got to figure out the movement, the anticipation. You got to figure out how to read stuff. You got to figure out how to 
to even return is completely different than tennis. Um, and you still need a ton of reps. You need a lot of reps. Uh, you can you can't get by with the wrong strategy against really good players. It's just a lot more than you you think about. Like it's easy to look at somebody and just go, oh yeah, they get good really quickly. Then you kind of forget about everything that went into it. And they, and I think singles is different than doubles, right? I think a pro like a Djokovic could get very good in singles very fast, not in a week, but he could get good if he trained pickleball singles for quite a while. But doubles is a different beast. Yeah, and also what you got to think about, like even on something like singles, is that you reach a a certain point very quickly, and then it's slow climbing from there. Like Novak exactly. would, would beat, uh, you know, any singles player outside of like the top twenty, it, probably in a week. Yeah. Uh, and, and then it's it's a lot slower. The the yeah the yeah it's this, and then it's just this <laughs> yeah. for a while, yeah. and it's slowly it's a slow climb from there. Right. Um. And I talk about this like doubles. So Brian Brothers, uh, people always think like, oh, they would they would dominate men's doubles in a month if they trained. Yep, just not true. No, it's not. How long do you think it would take? So I, this is what this is this was my it's, take. Unless yeah. even if they trained in isolation, the two of them for a year, just drills, whatever, yeah. learning the game, learning doubles, drilled for a year straight, then jumped into the pro tour. It wouldn't happen. They would still get smoked. Yeah, you need to see stuff. You have people. to see everything. There's, there's too so much, much unique stuff. There's disguise. There's, it just it just takes time. Yeah, and you got to see it. Um, yeah, it, it's also just weird because you can't like a lot of people ask that, and it's almost impossible to predict how long any individual will take. Because I've seen tennis players that were very very good tennis players, very good doubles players, amazing hands. Like th these guys that you know they were so skilled with say their volleys in tennis that you could say their volleys are better than any like some given top 10 players in, in the world yep. right now just because they were that's what they were very good at and i've seen them play pickleball and it's like it did not transfer for them for whatever reason they didn't get it yeah. at all uh and then i've seen players where like yeah you were a good d1 college player or whatever you weren't particularly good at anything and yet somehow you picked up this sport really well yeah it's it's i haven't <laughs> really identified even a pattern to it no there, i don't think there is all right, enough of that. Rapid fire. Where do you where do you use lead tape on your paddle? The throat, above the handle, below like the middle of the paddle head. Why? Uh, it offers the most stability for where I most frequently miss hit the ball, and it doesn't decrease hand speed as much because it's not as far away from your hands. Are you going to play Marty Fish in singles? I hope so. Let's go, Steve Kuhn. Let's make that happen. Because we talked about that, right? Mm-hmm. I might have made that rumor you up. You might have. I think I probably I did. Think that did. Marty Fish thinks he's the best singles player in the world in pickleball. But it, it just makes it even better then. Mm -hmm. Your thoughts on Caden Nemoff? Uh, funny little pretty boy. <laughs> thoughts of the rise? Thoughts on the rise of J.W. Johnson and at only age 18? I think he's 19. And, uh, you know, 19, you're uh, in prime physical shape. He's played a lot of tennis. He should be good. Do you use a new paddle for every tournament you play in? Uh, so I use the one at TOC. I use that one for two tournaments. Um, some guy, some some guy in Colorado was like, "I heard a rumor you use twelve paddles a tournament." I was like, "What?" <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's hilarious. Uh, it's I'd say it's an average of one per tournament, approximately. How often do you change your grip? Uh, about three times a day. Tournament oh, on the same paddle. Tournament day, yeah. So one grip per every two matches. Yeah. Interesting. Why? Because I like it to be maximum tackiness and not slippery. It's interesting to be like tacky. I cannot, I cannot do tacky. I need. I, don't, I sweat too much. 
You don't sweat as much as I do. I don't. It's weird. Uh, do we a couple more? There's a lot here. Nah, yeah. Whatever. When you can just call it whatever. I'm just leaving it all to you. Do you have any high-level wall drills that you guys use? No. You'd have to ask Colin about that. <laughs> <laughs> I could see Colin doing high-level oh, wall he drills. Does. He does wall drills. <laughs> does he really? Yeah. <laughs> Rob threw me off playing in New Jersey and Colorado in the same weekend. How was the quick turnaround? Lovely. I was very tired. <laughs> but I played. I thought I played very well on Sunday. Uh, let's get a game going. Aubrey Marcus and me versus you two in Austin for another week. Aubrey Marcus, you know who that is? No. He uh, he started on it, which is based here in Austin. They do a ton of supplements. I think he just sold it to Unilever for a boatload of money. Cool. But he's uh yeah, I, I think Steve probably knows him. But he plays a lot of pickleball. Um, but I think that's yeah, it's good for the sport. Yeah. And I think with uh, Major League Pickleball coming, they're gonna we're gonna have a lot of uh, interesting people around. So let's do it. That's enough on the rapid fire. Okay. I think the last segment. Spicy stories. That was a new one. Yeah. It's going to be new every time. Last time you did Australian. Oh, so this also combined with one of the questions we had. I think it was from Bad Boys, maybe. Uh, they asked about my Venice Beach experience with Irina. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Paddle I'm excited and, for he, that one. and he's like, what's up with that video of that guy? Like, was he serious? Why was he so upset? All that stuff. So the short of it is, me and Irina played this paddle tennis little event. Uh, in Venice Beach and basically paddle tennis used to be a big thing it's not anymore Venice Beach has like 12 of the 50 courts in the country it's like the only place where it's even played anymore Uh, it's like tennis with a paddle and a deflated tennis ball Uh, and basically it was kind of for like a TV show they're hoping like a story where it's revamping Venice Beach and the sport Uh, and basically it was a $50,000 winner take all by invite only tournament and by invite only they basically created pro-am teams, like one good player with one, like, I don't know, there was a yoga teacher, there was a bodybuilder. I was curious know, about ran- that. Random stuff. Like, no way these dudes are actually pro, just watching some of the no, videos. No, no, no. Okay. Not, even, not even a little bit. Um, and basically, they, they hit me up and they invited me, and they were like, do you want to play? I was like, sure, why not? It seems fun. I've never played before. Uh, and they're like, okay, well, uh, we'll, well, you can have another pickle partner because you know neither of you have ever played before yeah we think that'd be cool so i was like all right let me get arena arena's in and basically we start warming up (laughs) and the day started off pretty funny like venice beach is just a strange place and we're warming up and basically the the organizer that comes over the guy that invited us there and he's like we didn't anticipate you would look this good this fast this could be really bad can one of you please use this paddle that's worse? Like, it's not good. So you were wrecking people earlier. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and uh, we're like, okay, sure, whatever. And we play our first round, and we just wreck them, like, <laughs> bad. And they're like, that was, like, the favorite of the tournament. Oh, and they're no. like, oh, no. Uh, and what's funny is the paddle they gave Irina, she's like, I'm playing better with this. <laughs> <laughs> um, so then, then we, like, we win our second round, too, or something. And after that... The organizer's like, a lot of people are not happy about this. Can we give you another handicap? I was like, sure, just give me that, whatever. This Wilson paddle, they basically had no power. Yeah. Uh, so they double handicapped us with the paddles, and that turned out to be, uh, I think, pretty accurate. Like, we won our third match 11-9 or something. Yeah. But basically, Venice Beach is known for its characters, and there's this one guy that's nuts. He's just, like, yelling after every point, saying all kinds of weird stuff. He's got beef with multiple people. But the, it was serious. Uh, yeah. No, he was 100% serious. Uh, so we play him in the semis, and 
<laughs> oh, what I read is just so great because she immediately starts talking back to him, and I love it. Like I'm, I'm usually just pretty silent, but I'm just watching her interact with him, and it's great. Like immediately at like two one or something, <laughs> uh, he hits a volley, and it's a winner, and she just goes lucky shot, and that just sets him off immediately. <laughs> and and basically, uh, him, him mainly, and a couple other people were just complaining that. Uh, it's two pros in another sport playing together, and neither of us are severely handicapped. Sure. So it's like two mediocre players rather than a really good player and a really yeah. bad player. Uh, <laughs> and basically on the changeover, he says, I didn't come here expecting to play two pros. And I was like, bro, we've never played this sport before. And Irina just goes, well, I didn't come here expecting to play a little bitch, but here we are. That's <laughs> <laughs> so good. <laughs> so Irina. Yeah. So that perfect. was my favorite time of the whole tournament. And we ended up beating him, but losing in the final. It was, it was a lot of fun. I thought it was cool just because the whole storyline was awesome because this bodybuilder and this pro paddle player eventually won. And that, that's a much better story in them winning for Venice Beach than it than is you. just two random yeah. pickleball players. Yeah. Like, it's not their sport and they're not from Venice Beach. That's a terrible yeah. story. That would have been bad. But <laughs> so, to lose in the final, for you guys losing the final is perfect. Yeah, it was. It, it was the great story. That's great. Yeah. So good for them. So hopefully that gets on, uh, that, that, that airs mm -hmm. or gets created. Oh, but Irene's got good video of that guy. And when she I saw it, I was like, this guy, this, I mean, this has to be part of like the act. Mm -mm. Like, no way this guy's real, mm -mm. but he's real. That's amazing. 100% real. <laughs> He looks like, like a, he's like, I'm going to come to a pickleball tournament and see how you like it. I was like, that doesn't seem like a good deal for you, bro. <laughs> That's not he, a good idea. He reminded me of like a European Joe Dirt. That's accurate. Like he had kind of a mullet, right? Or like kind of a weird haircut? Yeah, long hair. Yeah. And wore like shiny clothes. Mm -hmm. Not shiny, but like yeah. bright. Yeah, he like changed his outfit every match. <laughs> I like this guy. We need him in pickle. Oh, didn't he say that too? He's like, he's yeah. like, you see, I'm going to be pro pickleball player in a year. Or yeah, something like yeah, that, right? I'm gonna like, come and beat you. Yeah, well, that's what I was saying. Yeah, that's not a good idea. <laughs> that's not a good idea. No. <laughs> gonna waste your time if we're beating you at this sport. <laughs> First time playing. All right. Good stuff. We're running deep. Oh, hour forty-five. Oh my god. Yeah, I know. I th you know what? I think. I think that you know. We'll just see how people respond to a long yeah. episode. You know, if you don't like it. This is a little bit like Tim Ferriss style, but he usually does interviews this long. The longest one I've seen with him is. Three hours, 45 minutes. Yeah, but it was somebody interesting like Jamie Foxx. <laughs> Not just it two. Was actually, it was actually a crypto guy. Okay. Oh, it was uh, Vitalik? Yeah. Yeah. Funny story. Um, I think I know, I think you know this. So I know Vitalik Buterin, who is co-founder of Ethereum. His mom came on one of my blackout trips. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah. And... I met her kind of the same way I met Adam Franklin, actually, at one of these uh, business events called Mastermind Talks. And she's one, of, she's one of my favorite people in the world. She's so sweet, so nice from Toronto. And, uh, yeah, what's up, Maya? <laughs> A little crypto connection. Well, that's pretty cool. Anything else? No. Okay, bye. Okay, bye. <laughs>